Great to be here this morning. The, uh, what I want to do this morning, I want to kind of bring you on a little spiritual uh, trip, I guess we could call it. It kind of has to do with uh, God's dealings in my life over the last five years there in Spain. Okay, and I kind of organized it in a way that, uh, that it'll make sense and flow for you. And, uh, you know, <clears throat> God says his word's like a seed. You know, and if you can just get a little tiny word from God today, just a little impression, I've come to realize over the years that these little type of impressions, little words, just, oh, that's pretty cool verse. You know, we don't realize the value because they seem so small. But as we protect that seed, water it and pray over it and say, God, do this and do this, the seed grows into a mighty tree. And I don't know how many years it took me in Christianity to realize things that start small, you don't think they're that big a deal. Years down the road, you realize, whoa, this had a lot more to do than I thought it did and a lot more truth. Okay, and so that's my prayer for you. If God would just put a small seed, you'd watch it, protect it, pray about it. Well, as Pastor said, I've been a missionary for, will be 32 this, 32 years this summer, and you know, 32 years as a missionary, but you know, that's not my purpose in life. Do you know what your God-given purpose in life is? If I were to ask you, could you tell me I know what this is? Well, you know, we, all, you know, we have a lot of different jobs, a lot of different vocations, but that, those aren't our God-given purposes in life. You know, you're, we, all at, we all really have the same exact purpose in life. It was in your core statement. And, uh, and it's this, we are all created for one purpose, is that our lives would bring glory to God. That is our purpose in life. That is your purpose in life. And that's what we are created for. Jesus said it this way, that they may see your good works and glorify my Father in heaven. He also said, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. Paul wraps it all up, and he's even talking about eating and drinking. He says, whatever you do, even in eating and drinking, do it all for the glory of God. And that's all, that is our purpose in life. But even as Christians, I even see it in ministers' lives, you know, it usually takes us a number of years for this to really sink in, that I'm here for God's purpose, for his glory. And I've come to find out when God's purpose isn't central in our life, isn't the motivating factor in our life, our lives are kind of out of balance. You know, they don't run real smoothly. It's kind of like, you know, when God's purpose, that he would be glorified through my life, isn't the center motivating thing in my life, I'm kind of like uh, a clown at the circus. Or I should say, we are kind of like clowns at the circus. You might have seen this. It's kind of funny. These clowns at the circus have these special bicycles. And on the wheels of these bicycles, the axle hub is not in the center of the wheel. It's off center a little bit on the front wheel and back wheel. So when the, when the clowns get on this bicycle and they start to ride them, they're going up and down, up and down, up and down, and weaving back and forth. And it's pretty funny to watch because, you know, you know, that's not the way a bicycle should be. But it, oh, that's really a great illustration of how our lives are as Christians. When God's purpose isn't central in our life, we're kind of un, unbalanced. Our life doesn't go real smooth. And really, you know, we can end up being high-maintenance Christians. 
high-maintenance Christians. And, uh, but that's not what God has for us. And you'll come to find out as you really start to live, man, my life's here for one purpose. It's not for me. It's that God would be glorified through this life. It says that all creation brings glory to God. The only one that has a choice whether in that some, a created thing would be glory to God is a human being. But as that starts to happen, you'll see that your life will become a lot smoother, a lot more stable. doesn't mean you're not going to have bad things happen to you. Those, that doesn't really change. But when they do happen, it's kind of like, well, so what? You know, things didn't go my way, not what I wanted, but so what? It's not really about me. And you'll see this in Jesus' life and Paul's life. They're just kind of, okay, God, how do you want to be glorified in this situation? That's how Jesus looked at everything. This is for my Father's glory. And it just brings such stability in your life. You know, that's really one of the reasons for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's really probably the main reason why it's so important and how Jesus talked about this baptism of the Holy Spirit so that rivers of living water could flow out of us, you know, in all types of, of different works, good works that bring glory to God. The famous verse that uh, we like to quote in Acts 1.8, I think we all know it, Jesus said it, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, right? We've heard this verse many times. Well, you know, when I was young and the Lord probably been saved for a couple months, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I still am baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I never doubted that I was baptized in the Spirit. I still pray in, in the Spirit every day. But I had a question in my heart for many years. And I would say to God, how is it? God, I can be baptized in the Holy Spirit. How, how, is, how is it that we can be baptized in the Holy Spirit and have so little power? I just never could figure this out, and I'd ask God years. I mean, it was probably like a five-year period. How is this possible? You know, because he said we'd have the, these rivers. You know, I think rivers, the living water? Really? <laughs> I think, well, maybe I might sprinkle once in a while. Maybe even splash on a good day. But rivers? I said, God, how is that? That was an enigma to me, how we could be baptized in the Spirit with so little power. Well, one day the Lord answered that question, and it comes out of Acts 2.18. It says, even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my Spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. And as I read that, you know how you can read a verse, and boy, just all this light comes to your heart. You understand it. And it's, it's like the Lord speak to my heart said, my power is for my servants. But then he clarified it. It's my power is for those who live for my interest. Those who live for my interest. Because we all like to think, you know, that we're God's servants. But to really be a servant means of somebody you have to live for their, their interest. So we need to ask ourselves, are we really living for God's interest? Now, we're all trying to grow in holiness and making progress there. As you know, it's not a, you know, you don't get there in one day, do you? It's a lifelong process of sanctification. And a holy life brings glory to God. I don't want to, un to uh, minimize the importance of that. Extremely important. But think with me just for a minute about your prayer lives. What are the things we really pray about? You know, it helps us to see what things are really important to us. It usually has to do with my marriage, my kids, Right? My job or my lack of job. My education. I need a house. God, help me find a house. I need a new car. God, help me find a new car. And if you think about it, our lives are pretty much dominated. Our prayer lives are dominated by our interest. 
right? And, and of course, God cares about these things. There's no doubt we see that in Scripture, and they are important, right? But they almost seem to be non-issues to him. Kevin, what are you talking about? <laughs> You're saying my marriage, my kids are not issues to God? Well, before you throw stones, let me just read a verse how Jesus said the same exact thing. He just said it a little bit different. He said it this way. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these other things will be taken care of. So he was telling us, you know, put my interests first, keep them in first place, and I'll take care of all your interest. That's how Jesus looked at this whole situation, because he understood we're here for God's glory. You can't live for God's glory without living for his interest. It's not possible. And, uh, well, a number of years ago, I have a friend, for real, I do, have one at least, and he's an engineer, and uh, I mean, there's a couple other Christians in this engineering firm, and they wanted to be able to meet together uh, for prayer before they started work in the morning, so they wanted to use the lunchroom. So he went into management and said, hey, you know, we, there's a couple, a few of us Christians, we'd like to just meet and dedicate the day, the day to the Lord, you know, and we won't bother anybody, won't cost the company any money. Well, management said, no way, that's never going to happen. So, you know, so life goes on, and during this time, they were working on a project, a bid, it had to do with the water meters for residential homes for the state of Texas. Now, they're working on this bid to get this project, be, uh, his firm and a number of other firms, because we're talking multi, multi-million dollar contracts. But there's a problem, this water meter leaked, or water would get in it and would destroy the readings in it, because they wanted to be able to drive by without stopping, wave their magic wand, you know, and get the readings. So everybody's working on this project because this is, this is a big deal. Well, he couldn't figure it out, and his engineers, they couldn't figure it out. And they have a prayer meeting at their church that uh, meets once a week. And so he was there that week, and he said, you know, I'm working on this project, and we're busting our brains to try to figure it. We can't figure out a solution. Could we pray about this? And so they said, sure, we'll pray about it. Well, about two days later, God downloads into his mind uh, the solution for the problem. And it worked. Well, their company ended up getting that bid, right? And so management calls them in. He said, we want to know how you figured out a solution for this. No other engineer has been able to figure it out. None of the other companies could figure it out. How did you figure it out? And he said, Kevin, oh, I was tempted to say I was smart enough to figure it out. <laughs> he said, you know, I couldn't figure it out. It was beyond me. But we have a prayer meeting that meets in our church, and I asked them to pray about it, and it so God just downloaded in my mind the solution for this. Well, management saw prayer, multi-million dollar contracts. I guess you guys can use the lunchroom, you know, before work. Well, what's, what's cool about this has happened 15 years ago, and that prayer meeting is still going on. They're still meeting. You know, this is the guy that said, you know, I bring this story up to help you understand it doesn't matter where you work. You don't have to be in like full-time ministry to live for God's glory. God, we see in, in Philippians, God has good works paired for each one of us. You know, we just have to get to a place, say, it's not about me, it's not about my glory, it's God, what do you want to do? And God wants to be glorified through your life. 
the, uh, so we think, okay, that sounds pretty simple, right? Let's live for God's glory. But uh, I've, I've come to find out that, uh, it's not, that it's extremely difficult to live for the interest of another person. Now, God is a person. So it's kind of like saying, I'll put my interest aside and live for your interest. You know, and God has certain interests. The, uh, a good, if you have your Bible, this is a pretty astonishing couple of verses. This is in Philippians 2.19. Just gives us an idea of how difficult it is even for Christians to live for God's interest. Paul's talking about Timothy here. He says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon that I may be also be cheered when I receive news about you. Now he says about Timothy, I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. For everyone looks out for their own interest, not those of Jesus Christ. Very astonishing verse. Because here he's talking about, he, he's not talking about when he says everyone lives for their own interest, not those of Jesus. He's not talking about unbelievers. He's not even talking about believers he's talking about church leaders people that ministers that work with him he says of all the people that work with me i can really only send timothy to you because he's the really the only one that lives for god's interest now you think about this it's it's really pretty shocking you know you know paul's not talking about or saying that these leaders were uh, living a sinful lifestyle no paul wouldn't have had them working with them right Uh, I think they probably lived like the most of us do. God, I'm trying to live a good life. Now look out for all my interest. You know, that's kind of like how we reduce Christianity. You know, God's really here for us and for our interest. If you think about it, isn't it? God, I'm trying to live a good life. I'm trying not to live in sin. Now look out for all all my interest. uh, But think about it. Let's think about God's interest. Have you ever worried or really been concerned about Jesus's, the interest of Jesus not being met? Has that ever bothered you? I don't know if his interests are being met because we know he's big enough to take care of himself, you know. But God calls us to live for his interest. It's it's a hard thing when I'm saying it's a hard thing to live for the interest of another person to live for Jesus interest. Well, and what's what's great about this, they show us these verses show us what it means to live for the interest of Jesus Christ. He says it right there to live for the interest of Jesus Christ. You have to look out for the welfare of other people. That's how you live for God's interest. Right. Jesus said, oh, you gave a glass of water to the least you did that for me. Or you visited somebody in jail? Well, you did that for me. And we see there's many verses that talk. That's how we live for God's interest, by looking out for the welfare of other people. Well, that's why one of the importance of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, why we need it so much, you know, that power of the Spirit flowing through us for the welfare of others. Okay? And as, as we seek more of this power of the Holy Spirit to flow through our lives, we need to be equally passionate about falling in love with Jesus more and more sometimes in christianity we we kind of separate these two things you know seek after the baptism of the holy spirit or fall more in love with jesus but you always want to put them together and keep them together because you know when the holy spirit starts to use you um you can get a reputation of being alive being a man or a woman of god 
But God always looks at the heart condition of the person. God's not deceived necessarily by the anointing of the Holy Spirit on our lives. He looks deeper. He looks at the heart situation. We have an example of this in the Old Testament, very clear example, Samson, right? He had the anointing of the Holy Spirit. He had this reputation of being alive, being a man of God. And he was, as, as far as, you know, God using him. But God looks at the heart. In Revelation, Jesus brings us so clear in Revelation 3, when he's talking to the people of the church of Sardis, and he says, I know your deeds, that you have a reputation of being alive. Now, you don't get a reputation of being alive if your deeds are evil, if you're living in sin. You only get a reputation of being alive when God's using you, you know, and uh, looking out for the interests of other people. But he goes on to say, but you're dead. But you're dead. God looks at the heart. What makes us alive to God and for God if there's a burning desire, a burning love in our hearts for Jesus? Is there a burning love in your heart for Jesus? Or has that fire dwindled down to just a pilot light? The, uh, you know, as we seek to have more of this anointing of the Holy Spirit without a growing love for Jesus in our, in our, in our heart, it's a very dangerous road to travel. Very dangerous when you separate those two things. Samson had this anointing without a growing love for God. Right? I think that he, I think we can see very clearly he basically lived for his own interest. Right? Very, from the very beginning of his ministry. This great anointing sees this hot pagan woman and he says, listen to what he says about her. He says, she pleases me. Get her for me. And his parents said, but aren't there some followers of Jehovah, you know, among all these women, you know, in Israel? Isn't there one? He doesn't want to hear it. No, she pleases me. His life was basically directed and dominated by his own interest. And we know how his life ended. It ended in ruins, you know, literally in ruins. And that still happens today. You know, sometimes we're, we're kind of astonished but we hear about a, a God using a man or woman in some miraculous way I mean real noticeable way and then a few months down the road sometimes these people fall into some type of uh, scandal whether financial scandal moral scandal and we think man how could that be how could that be maybe that wasn't really God using them well it probably was God all right but what really protects us is our love for God, not the anointing. The anointing's power for ministry to others. But it's our heart, our heart condition, our love for God that motivates us to love or to live in a way that pleases him. Jesus says, whoever loves me obeys my commandments. You know, so it's our heart condition that really protects us. And that's why you don't ever want to separate. You don't want to go out, God, I need more of the, more, more of the anointing without this constant push uh, falling more and more in love with Jesus. The, and I've come to find out in ministry, it's really easier, listen close, it's really easier to get anointing for ministry than to keep your heart on fire for Jesus. I don't know why that is, but I think we can all testify that's the way it is. You leave that love for Jesus unattended just for a day or two, and man, it dwindles down to a pilot light really fast. Really fast. I don't know why it is, but that's the way it is. And uh, that's why we need to, to tend that fire, put those logs on that fire, that devotional time, every single day. You know, nobody else can do that for you. 
Nobody else can take care of your heart, your love for Jesus. Pastor can't do it. The service can't do it. You've got to separate yourself on a daily basis. Think, I've got to put wood on the fire. I've got to put wood on the fire. You know, it was love for Jesus. I, I recommend a book that I've really enjoyed. We've enjoyed through the years. Read it a number of times. It's called uh, Secrets of the Secret Place right, by Bob Sorge. Secrets of the Secret Place. Simple book. Well, it's a deep book, but uh, small chapters. You know, without a, because without a growing love for him, how are we going to live for his interest? It, it just won't happen. It can't happen. You know, because when you really love somebody, it sure is a lot easier to live for their interest, right? Can you start dating, you know, falling in love or whatever you want to do? Let's just do what you want to do. We'll go to any restaurant you want. That's fine. It's easy for us to put our interest aside for the interest of the person that we're really in love with, isn't it? And that's how it works with us in the Lord. It, there's no way it's not, it's not going to happen. Already, we already saw, <coughs> excuse me, a little bit how hard it is to live for God's interest. And that's not going to happen if we don't fall in love with him. We've got to be careful and watch that fire, tend that fire. And as we fall, keep falling in love with him, we'll automatically start to live more and more for his interest. Because God has an incredibly blessed life planned for us. He really does, you know. And the rivers of living water flowing out of us to meet the needs of other people. Very few things in our life, especially in Christianity, compare with this feeling that when God's flowing through you in many types of different works, many different types of different works, you know, that have to do looking out for the welfare of other people, that feeling you get like, whoa, this is what I was created for. You feel fulfilled as a Christian. There's so many Christians that don't feel fulfilled in life, in their Christian walk. You know, this is good. I know I'm going to heaven, but, if, you know, something's missing. And we go from, you know, from one new fad to another, looking for some fulfillment. If you want to be fulfilled, you have to live the way God lives. And he lives for the welfare of other people. The uh, live for interest, his interest, looking out for the needs of others, and you'll sense that. Well, that's, you know, why we're talking about this uh, need for the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Rivers of living water, but it's really, really hard to get to a place where there's a flow of the Spirit through your life. I mean, a constant flow, extremely hard. And in my own life, you know, I'm talking about kind of my adventure with the Lord. You know, I started to say, God, I'm tired of pursuing this level of anointing, this lifestyle. I can't get there. And I'm sorry. And I used to say, God, I'm sorry my life doesn't bring you more glory by being full of your spirit, but I just can't get there. It seems impossible to get there, you know, and I, I basically wanted to give up. And during this time, the Lord spoke to me from 2 Timothy 2.10. I love when the Lord speaks to us, but through a verse, and then you know it's God. <laughs> he says, therefore, I endure everything, Paul speaking, says, for the sake of the elect, that they may too obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Let me read this again. This, is a, this verse really shakes us up. He says, I endure everything for the sake of the elect. Now, he's not talking about people that are Christians. He says, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. And as I read that, 
It was so clear to me. It's like, Kevin, you need to persevere in seeking more than knowing of the Holy Spirit, not for your sake, but for the sake of the elect, that they might be saved. Man, that so changed my whole, my whole thinking, you know. As for me, I could conform to sprinkling, maybe splashing once in a while. I could conform to that very easily because I know how hard it is to get to a place of a flow of the Spirit. But when I understood that my life, my love for Jesus or lack of love for Jesus, my anointing, lack of love or lack of anointing is affecting the eternal destiny of other people, I could no longer conform. You know, I can't conform. We don't like to think that way, that my life, my love for Jesus, lack of love, my anointing, lack of love, or lack of anointing is affecting the destiny, the eternal destiny of my kids, of my family members, of my neighbors, of the people I work with. We don't like to think that way, do we? But we see it so clearly in Scripture. It does. We can't get away from it. You are affecting the eternal destiny of other people. Now, you know, for, you don't need to be the world's smartest man. You don't have to understand all the Bible doctrines. You don't have to have great power. God has all that. But what he doesn't have is your heart, unless you give it to him. He won't violate that. He's looking for people that want to, will give up their own interest to start to live for his interest. And that's the verse that, you know, when I get up on that red box out there in the plaza, you know, I've got all these unbelievers walking around, you know. I know I can't fake it. You can't, you know, working with unbelievers is so wonderful because <laughs> they're not fooled by anything, you know. And you just know you, you need the anointing of the Holy Spirit. It's the only thing that's going to do the, the work. And so it keeps pushing you in, in a good way, right? Um, God, I need more of you. need more of you. If we want more of him, we've got to give him more of our heart. They, that's how it works. And uh, we need to keep persevering. Falling in love with Jesus, keep persevering, seeking more of of the anointing of the Holy Spirit for their sake, for the sake of Spring Lake, for the sake of the world, right? And as we started out, you know, his power is really those who live for his glory or for his interests, those who look out for the needs of others, really live for the needs of others. And, and it's not, you know, well, look at Dorcas, right? What Dorcas do? Well, she died, for one thing, in the Bible, but she made clothes for other people. That's what she did. But she did it in such a way that she had a great reputation. She was known as somebody that lived for God's interest. And God raised her up from the dead. And then she had a worldwide ministry and wrote books about how it is to go to heaven. No, she didn't do that. And she probably went right back to making clothes. She lived for the interest, for God's interest looking out for the needs of others. And God has ways for you that he can be glorified through your life. But you need to persevere. You need to push in. God, I want to start to live for your glory. Why don't we stand up if Pastor Bobby would come? You know, what we're talking about this, this morning is what God's all about, right? It's what missions is all about. When the, God the Father was looking out for our interest when he sent Jesus Christ, to the world 
And Jesus was looking out for your interest when he got up on that cross and took your sin upon himself because he doesn't want anyone to go to hell. God lives for the interests of other people. And he's calling us to live the same way. He'll supply everything we need. But we have to give him our heart. Why don't we just take a, a few minutes to close this morning and say, God, do a new work in me. Help me to live for your interests. Well, you know, there's room here at the altar. If you, if you want to come forward, that's fine. But let's just call out and say, God, do a new work. Help me to live. Hallelujah. For the sake of the world, live for your interests.